Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holistic Finance. My name is Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the next step, Investing 201. But specifically, we're going to be talking about what we advisors love to use, uh, the words asset allocation. Really what this boils down to is what's the mix of assets that you have inside of your investment portfolio. And I'm going to start it off with probably a shocker, at least it was to me when I first heard this and really researched it. The rate of return inside of your portfolio, 90 to 95% of it comes from the mix of assets, not one particular. Yeah, the, uh, this is a study that it's been that was done in the '90s. It's been repeated a couple times, and the the determinants of rate of return long term weren't things like market timing when you bought when you sold. It wasn't things like individual securities. Did we buy Apple or Google or Microsoft or Tesla or whatever else? It really had to do with, did we buy large companies or small companies? Did we buy stocks? Did we buy bonds? What was the mix of assets that we held? That's what drove rate of return, at least the vast majority of it. And just to to keep that conversation going, Alex, because as I heard you talk, like I understand everything you just said, but I think what people might hear when they listen to this is they're going to hear why you mean Apple doesn't get a good rate of return. Like where does the return come from? And what you really, what, what we're saying is when, how can you predict what company specific company is going to do well and how do you keep emotions out of it? And you can't always keep emotions out of it because sometimes it's just luck of the draw. Like when you actually decided to buy Apple in that example that I keep bringing up. Correct. And like Apple, we're talking about large tech companies in, in the US. And so it wasn't necessarily that Apple outperformed all tech companies. It was, well, there was Apple and there was Amazon and there was Tesla. And there was like, there are a bunch of the same type of companies that all had that all moved together and so whether you were in apple or tesla or microsoft or amazon didn't really matter as long as you owned that category or that asset class and to your point a second ago it's not exactly as though asset classes can be predicted either absolutely which takes us to, and we've already kind of gone into this, like the five assets, if you will, that makes up the, and this is at a high level that makes yeah, up what the, asset the, allocation is. The five broad categories. Correct. And so we've got stocks or equity ownership. We have bonds, which is like fixed income or debt of a company or an organization. Real estate cash and then cash alternatives thing like money market money markets and things of that nature that have more of like a set guaranteed rate of return associated with them and then commodities which winds up being this kind of broad catch-all category that includes things like gold and silver uh precious metals like there, there's a boatload of stuff that falls into the commodities category 
So those are the five broad categories in terms of what you're investing in typically. And when you think about going back to our original statement about asset allocation, like what mix of those five categories you have is really what drives the return. So as an example, over the the history of the market, right? Like stocks have outperformed bonds. Correct. And what we're what, when we try to put together portfolios, most of what we're trying to do is not predict what is going to be the next hot sector, hot stock, hot whatever. Our goal is to go ahead and own the entire market. And by that, we mean broader than even like the S&P 500, which is the largest 500 companies in the U.S., and really f- create a mix of assets that is tailored to your situation with like some some clients don't want to invest internationally because they don't want to put their money in various different countries or places or they just want to you know invest in the US okay great it, you are somewhat tying the hands of the advisor behind their back but at the same time like let's go ahead and have some intentionality with how we're building the portfolio and then beyond that, it's tailored to your specific circumstances of like, okay, what's our time horizon? How much risk do we want to take? And these are somewhat subjective things. And so it's this is where the art and the science of building a portfolio come together. Yeah. And just kind of taking a step back, I think a lot of people, Alex, when they're go to choose their investments inside of their, you know, maybe their IRA or whatever, whatever, you know, retirement plan or you know, investment or 1k or whatever they're, yeah. What they're doing is, is they go, they look at the different funds that are offered to them and then they go straight to the rate of return column and they go, Oh, this fund's done a good rate of return. This fund's done a good rate of return. And maybe this fund's done a good rate of return because they all, they all think, okay, well, I don't want to put all my money in one fund. So I'm going to choose several funds, right? Because they want to diversify. And for those of you who are driving and Obviously, everyone listening, you can't see me. I just put quotes in around the word diversify. When you when you do that, you're 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 basing it off of that fund and that return that you that it has done in the past, rather than looking at it. Okay, what is the what makes up this fund? What is this fund actually investing in? Well, there's there's two components that we need to talk about here. One is any financial uh, advertisement that you see is going to have this phrase in it. Past performance does not guarantee future results. And the reason why this is in every single piece of advertising is because it's true. And so we can't look at past returns and use that to judge why and how we should invest in the future component of it it's not the sole thing the second component is you just said hey we're picking five or six funds but we haven't done any research or any analytics on what those five funds or six funds are if we just went and picked things that did well without necessarily looking at what's in them well we may have just picked five or six funds that have a massive amount of overlap because it was the asset allocation component that did well. And so we all, we bought five large growth funds 
And if we dig into that, we might own something like 85% of the same stocks inside of those five or six funds. And so we, we may not be enhancing our diversification. Again, it depends on like, we might have done it dramatically, or we might not have done it at all. Well, and to take that a step further, right? In the last episode, we were talking about how, you know, a stock versus bond, right? Like stocks is, you know, that is where rate of return can come from and bonds can minimize risk inside of the portfolio. And if you choose five different funds, you don't know how they're allocated. What risk are you having? And now the emotional personal side comes into play and it gets difficult. Full disclosure, 2022 has been a really bad year for bonds. It hasn't worked as the the typical reduction of risk because bonds work inversely proportional to interest rates. As interest rates rise, existing bond prices fall. So bonds year to date are down somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20%. So it's not a guarantee, but the design is that bonds and stocks will work differently than the other one because they're dependent upon different components for how they act and react to the opinion of others or or the marketplace. Yeah. So as you're looking at, so we're talking about a lot of, a big component of the asset allocation is right. Diversification. Everyone's heard that. And we, and we've spoken into the, into this in the last episode, we're obviously talking into it now. And what I, I think a lot of people, and you started to allude to this already, what a lot of people don't understand is if they've got five, six different mutual funds or ETFs or however, you know, whatever fund you're investing in, what if all of those funds have a large percentage of money going to Microsoft? Yeah, we need to take a look at the overlap between the funds. Um, there is a site called Morningstar. Uh, and if you just go to morningstar.com, you should be able to go ahead and and have at least, like they offer paid subscriptions, um, but there, there is some level of uh, basic information that is available for free. Uh, you can also go to pretty much any of the major financial sites, whether it's you know, Yahoo Finance, Google Finance, or, or insert your favorite financial website here um, that will have somewhat of a breakdown of what is inside the fund. And then most of the time, de- depends on site to site, you should be able to build out a portfolio and enter in like the four or five different mutual funds that you own and see a combined holdings or an overlap report Um a crossover report. There's a bunch of different names for this. Um, But essentially what you're trying to figure out is, okay, of the five or six funds, how many of them own Microsoft and what percentage of the fund is invested in Microsoft or Apple or any of the other companies. So that gives us an idea as to how many unique holdings we have across the entire portfolio that you've built and put together. Yeah, it's it's an eye opener, right? Like you and I will do this for our clients where we actually show them like this is like the top 25 holdings you actually have. And you know, many times they're like, oh, I didn't know I had that much in said company, right? And then we take it a step further and we're like, hey, did you know that all of those companies are also <laughs> inside of the S&P 500? So from a diversification standpoint, you're, it's all 500 large United States companies. So if that asset class does poorly, a large percentage of your portfolio might do poorly. And we're going to tackle 
index investing, like the passive investing versus active investing. Uh, we fall in between those two concepts. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've come across a bunch of clients that have, they're like, oh, I'm diversified. I've got everything in the S&P 500. And we start pointing out like, okay, well, that means that you have roughly 20 to 25% in these six tech stocks. And then most of the time they're like, wait, what? I, I thought the S&P 500 owned 500 companies. Yeah, it does. It, it kind of bounces around between like 498 and like 505 or something. Um, but we wind up with right now a significant portion in five companies that are all large companies that are all tech based that are all here in the US. And so when we talk about the vast majority of your rate of return being based upon asset allocation that that's why we're seeing the types of returns that we're seeing and it's it's not saying that other areas are like performing phenomenally this year or things of that nature but by having more diversification we're going to reduce down our overall risk and our, our dependence upon a few different sectors. Yeah. So diversifying is key and understanding what you're invested in, in terms of what diversified, like how you are set up is a key ingredient because then you can actually, it helps you understand the risk that you're taking a little bit better, right? Rather than like, if you're putting all your eggs in one basket or one company or one fund, based on rate of return, that risk is a lot higher than you realize. Yeah. And you may not be get, getting compensated from a return standpoint. Again, the rate of return comes from the mix, not one particular stock. Well, and this that leads us to kind of our second takeaway, which is like, how do we invest for the long term? And this this really starts with trying to eliminate emotion from the decision-making process making sure that we've got a financial philosophy. We don't want to make wholesale changes unless we have like thrown out our previous philosophy. Uh, but we want to go ahead and make sure that we have not just this is what we're investing in, but understanding the why behind what we're investing in. So creating a strategy that we can use moving forward for this is how we make financial decisions. And there's a bunch of different financial philosophies that are out there. Make sure that you're figuring out what your financial philosophy is. And if you're unsure, seek help and find somebody who can help like articulate financial philosophy and like try on theirs. See if that fits you. Try and figure out like, okay, what components do we like or not like? And how do we actually build out a financial philosophy to, to make good, well-informed decisions? When you can have a basic understanding of what's going, not necessarily like what's going on in the economy, and the market, while that I think that is definitely helpful, you know, many people, they don't have the time. They don't want to get to that deep or that, you know, and go research that much. But when you can have a basic understanding of how the markets work or how you're invested and how that works, it allows you to stay invested long-term, which is the whole point of this. And I think too many people there, when they don't understand really what's going on and they're, and they're really in the dark, that's when you make the emotional decisions and that's when it might come back and backfire. Whether it's good or bad, like 
We can make emotional decisions based on fear. We can make emotional decisions based on greed. And when it's that black box that you talked about where we don't understand why something happened, that's where we tend to make poor decisions because we lack the understanding of, okay, why did my portfolio react the way in which it did given the market conditions? If we can understand how the portfolio should react and why it why it went up or why it went down or those types of things, then following some of the financial news becomes a lot easier and it now actually means more to you. Again, not saying that you need to track it the way in which Ryan and I do or understand it the way in which Ryan and I do or or other financial advisors, but it will help to be able to try and make that black box less of a black box so that you can understand why what we're doing, why what occurs actually occurs. I think that takes us to the question of the day, Alex. Our question today is what is your asset allocation? What's the mix of stocks, bonds, and real estate, cash, and commodities that you have in your portfolio? So head over to holistic-finance.com and there's a spot for you to answer that question. And not necessarily for you to email us back and say, hey, this is what I found, but more around, like, I think if you take that action step and you and you find that out, it just that alone allows you to look at your investments differently and more intelligently from the standpoint of being able to hold, like, not necessarily like hold and never do anything about it, but make sure that you understand so you can, inve- can continue to invest long-term. Yeah, what what we're looking for is, when you looked at your asset allocation, what is the aha that you had or what's what was the takeaway that you had from looking at it? And if you're not sure how to look at it, shoot us over an email and ask for help. Absolutely. This podcast is all about helping naturopathic doctors with your financial decisions so that your practice can thrive and you can help more people. If you got anything out of this, share it with your other, other doctor friends, share it with other people that you know. Because my guess is if you got something out of it, they might get something out of it too. As always, we hope this episode was valuable. And Mr. Collins, make it a great day. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation, or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201.
phone number 503-221-1226. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives at the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow Air Insurance License Number 1531942. CA Insurance License Number 0K24924. Alexander Collins Air Insurance License Number 7264699. CA Insurance License Number 0H24806. Endpoint number 2022-147-271, expiration November 2024.